Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Yeah, good. I mean, I woke up and it was sunny, and then I walked outside and it was windy, and I couldn't quite make sense of that. Um, you know, if the sun's going to come out, I feel like I should be able to enjoy it, but we'll see how it goes. A couple things as we get started. If the clipboard's paused anywhere, if we could get those going again. I'm excited for all the stuff that we have coming up, and I'm excited that there's people who want to be a part of that. Uh, and also, if at any time during the service you need prayer for anything that's going on, uh, we have a corner set up right back here. Kristen, if you'd throw a hand up for me. Uh, Kristen would be happy to pray with you, uh, or feel free to just grab somebody near you and pop back and take that space as a place where you can reflect and pray and just think about what the Lord's doing. Uh, I don't know everyone here, so it seems apt to introduce myself. Uh, my name's Taylor. Some of you know me as the guy from the video where I did that neat trick where I made it look like my mouth wasn't lining up with my words. Uh, that's just because I'm really into you know the dubbing from the spaghetti westerns back in the day, so I figured I'd learn how to do that. Uh, but my wife, Sarah, and I haven't been going here for too terribly long, but our time here at Pullman Foursquare has been a real blessing. A uh, little bit of my background, uh, before I came to Pullman, uh, I was a pastor on a college campus over in Ellensburg, Washington, a few hours west, uh, for five years. Now I'm here getting my master's in history, uh, but I still really love getting to preach every now and again. There's nothing quite like getting to bring a word from the Lord. So I'm really thankful to Pastor Jamie for giving me that opportunity. And I'm particularly excited to be speaking in this series, this series that we're calling Engage, because I really like sermon series, message series, whatever you like to call them, that get us to do things. I like when we take a look at God's word and it prompts us to go and take action. I'm just that sort of guy. And that's what this series really seems about to me from what I've heard so far. It's about us doing things, making intentional decisions for the Lord. And it's about, through those decisions, helping people in our lives know who God is and what that means for their life. And there's a lot of different realms where we make these decisions. Pastor Jamie pointed some of them out to us last week. We might be able to make these decisions, these intentional decisions, to help people know Jesus better at, at work, on campus, with friends, and, and the list keeps going. We can make these intentional decisions for Jesus on sports teams, at club meetings, at dog obedience classes, basically anywhere where you go where there are other people. It's an opportunity for you to make intentional decisions in the name of Jesus. But today, there's one specific area that we're going to be focusing on, one specific area of engagement, and that's our families. We're going to be talking about family today. And I don't know about you, but in my mind, families are interesting things. They're one of the few communities that we have no choice about joining. Uh, our, our level of interaction with our families may vary widely. That might have to do with distance. I'm from Alaska originally, but I came to college here in Washington, and since then my parents and I have not lived in the same state. So I call my mom a lot, uh, but I see them, you know, maybe once a year. And there's a lot of reasons why our interactions with our family may vary in really extreme cases, someone may cut themselves off from their family. That's a decision that gets made sometimes. Yet, anything that we do still doesn't change on some level who our family is. We are still connected to the people in our family. And on top of this, the fact that we all have families means that this is one of the things most ripe for comparison 
in our culture. I, I feel like pretty much any of us have had the experience of asking, why can't my parents, in-laws, spouse, children, cousins, what have you, be more like, insert comparison family here? I know I have one in my mind. Maybe yours is a TV family. Did anybody else watch, I think it was called Seventh Heaven? It was a show that ran on ABC back in the day. It was this, you know, I don't know what you would call it. It was basically just, especially the early seasons, this idyllic Christian family just sort of living life. And every now and then one of the kids kissed somebody and that was the scandal for the episode. Uh, and I know that that was the comparison family for a lot of people because everything just seemed to be going great there. Something else that we hear a lot, maybe you hear it, is I love the idea of a big family. Emphasis on idea, I'm guessing, for anyone who actually has a big family and understands what goes along with that. But the big family, the ideal family, it's all part of this idyllic image that we have created for what a family should be. And I think this tends to have certain common characteristics. For one, a lot of the time it's big lots of people getting together, and they do gather regularly at family reunions, big family reunions, where everyone has fun. Everyone must have fun at these big family reunions, because of course they're fun. And if there's any trouble, it's the kind that'd be accompanied by a laugh track in a sitcom. Nothing ever really goes wrong. Your weird Uncle Glenn does something embarrassing, and everybody gets a good chuckle out of it. But that's something of the image we have of these idyllic big families. The trouble, though, with the idyllic image of the family is that it's static. It just... The times where a family maybe almost fell apart or did fall apart for a period of time or longer. And overcoming those tough moments, it takes work. It takes effort. It takes intentional choices. And that is why families have such a great place in this series. We all have families, some kind or another. And like anything in our lives, our families should honor God. And not just in obvious acts of worship, but in the way that we relate to each other. So that's what we're going to talk about today, how we can make intentional choices in our families to bring our whole family closer to God. Now, I, I understand who I am in this moment. I'm quite young. Uh, my wife and I are only just expecting our first kid in a little while here. So it would be pretty strange for me to stand up here and try to, you know, wax pontificantly about wisdom in terms of how you can have a healthy family. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, what I'm going to do today is really just try to draw on the authority of Scripture. I want us to see what God's Word has to say about what it looks like to make intentional decisions in our families. And I want us to see what we can learn from that together. So when we think of scriptures on family, there's a passage that likely comes to mind. You might not be familiar with the reference, but I guarantee that when you see it, it's going to be, oh, it's that passage. Joshua 24, the second half of verse 15, says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And my guess is you've seen this before, probably on one of those plaques outside of someone's house that looks handmade, but maybe 1% of them are actually handmade, and the rest are mass-produced somewhere. No, I'm not knocking these. I think these plaques are fine. Personally, I find them comforting. 
if I walk up to somebody's house and this is there, that's an encouragement that maybe there's another level of fellowship I could have with the people who live there. It's a public statement of faith. When those are made in the right heart, I don't think they're a bad thing. And at its best, that statement can even be a call to accountability, an invitation for people to keep us accountable in our walk with God. But this passage, in context, is a lot more than a nice statement to hang outside of a home. I want us to look at this passage in context. We're going to have it up on the screen. This is Joshua speaking to the tribes of Israel. He's gathered all of them. This is shortly before his death. After taking the time to recount what God has done for Israel, Joshua speaks these words. Again, we're in Joshua 24, starting off in verse 14. Joshua says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This statement is a call to action. Joshua puts a choice before Israel. Serve the Lord or don't, but decide now. And this statement is also inspirational. It calls those who will say, yes, I want to serve the Lord, to follow the one who speaks it. It is an invitation to come along with Joshua and his household as he serves the Lord. And it also puts a target on Joshua and his household, in a sense. Because Joshua is declaring himself to be one who will serve the Lord. And he does this publicly, inviting comment and observation from anyone who heard him. So at any time, somebody who heard him could reasonably walk up and ask, what does it mean that you and your house serve the Lord? What does that look like? What does that actually mean for how you live? And I think we as Jesus followers today should long for people to ask us that question. It should not be a secret that we or our families serve God. It should be readily apparent by the way we interact with each other and by specific actions that we take. If we are so blessed as to have someone ask what it means that our family is one who serves the Lord, I pray that we would have something specific to say. Now, what does this mean? What does it mean to have something specific to say? It means we should intentionally follow Jesus with our families Our culture has made Jesus so much an individual relationship. Our relationship with Jesus is an individual thing. But scripture calls us to follow him with our families. We should consciously structure family life around obedience to God in attitude and in acts of worship. I can't say exactly what this would look like for your family, but some ideas I came up with. Pray together, and not just for meals. That's a good thing to pray for. But be willing to bring concerns home and say, this thing is really hard at work or in my relationship with maybe someone in our extended family or in a classroom, and could we please get the family together for a few minutes and just pray about this? 
Jesus. Pray together as a family. Invite over families, especially those who don't follow Jesus, and pray before they get there that your family would be a blessing and that you could touch their lives. Read scripture together. Make a habit of asking big questions. Struggle with doubt together as a family. Make intentional decisions so that there are structures in your family's life that will draw all of you closer to Jesus. We need to make intentional decisions, all of us, to help our families better follow our Lord. If you don't hear anything else I say today, if nothing else sticks with you, please just let that resonate. Let this question rattle around in your head. What are specific decisions I could make to help my family follow Jesus? But we will keep going because there are other passages that talk about what God would have us do with our families. Proverbs 22.6 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's a simple passage, but I think right there in the verb that this sentence uses to train, that verb is active. It requires intention. When you train for something, you don't do a bunch of random tasks in the hope of accomplishing some vague goal that's somewhere off in the future. No, you have a clear sense of what it is that you will accomplish, and you do specific things to help yourself reach that goal. And when we help others train, that's what we do. We have a clear sense of where we want them to end up, and we do specific things to help them get there. And the goal here, parents, is helping our children follow Jesus. So a similar question. What specific, what specific steps can we take to prepare our children to accomplish that goal of following Jesus? How can we teach our children the character of God how can we teach them to constructively deal with doubt? Not to run from it or to stick our, their heads in the sand, but to believe that God has wisdom for even the tough questions of this life. Please, hear me on this point. Do not buy into the lie that you have to be a pastor to be able to do this. It is in some ways incredibly dangerous to leave your spiritual formation and your family's spiritual formation only to the church. When I was a pastor, I had the pleasure of meeting with the guy who directed all of the youth ministers in the Pacific Northwest for the denomination that I worked with. And he told me there was one problem that every single one of his youth pastors had had to deal with. He said it was, it was the parent or the guardian who came into the youth pastor's office or called and said, my kid is in sin. My kid's not following Jesus. Why? You're supposed to be helping them follow Jesus. I send them to this youth group. They know people in this youth group. They go to these camps. Why is my kid not following Jesus? And the youth pastor wants to be compassionate in that moment, but the reality that they're wrestling with is the fact that they have an hour and a half with not just that kid, but who knows how many other kids every week. And that parent or that guardian has infinitely more time than they could ever hope to have. 
we in our families have infinitely more time to shape the lives of the people around us than any pastor, youth or otherwise, could ever hope to have. We need to make intentional decisions to deepen our family's spiritual life. Don't leave it to someone else. They can never do it as well as you can. But also remember in this moment that you do not have to do this alone. Satan can make this such a crippling burden. I experience dread about this on a regular basis. How am I supposed to help a child follow Jesus when I feel like I'm still figuring that out? And I have yet to meet a person who would say, yeah, I've got this Jesus following thing down. We're all still in process in that regard. And it's so easy for this to become a crippling burden. All of a sudden, accepting the spiritual responsibility of a whole other generation. It is why we have the church. Don't buy into the lie that you have to do this on your own. We can support each other here. Parents, talk to each other about how you follow Jesus in your families. Talk about what works. Talk about what doesn't. Pray for each other. Let us as a body come together and figure out how we can help the next generation better follow Jesus. How we can make intentional decisions to help our families follow Jesus. Now, I am well aware that messages on the family tend to really be messages about what parents should be doing. It tends to be how things go. The weight of the family's responsibility, the, the weight of the family's spiritual health, that it would continue to grow, tends to fall upon parents. And I really don't think that this should be the case. Each of us has the opportunity to hear from God because of his blessed Holy Spirit. Scripture often, in case you're not aware, thinks more highly of a child's perspective on the divine than it does of an adult's. So that's Scripture's perspective on how kids should be involved in the spiritual health of their families. But for a family to best follow Jesus, everyone should have the opportunity to make intentional decisions to help that family grow spiritually. So for those of my generation and younger, I want you to think on 1 Timothy 4.12 as an encouragement. The passage starts this way. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. And unfortunately, this is where a lot of us stop reading. And I can imagine 14-year-old me, if I'd been following Jesus at that time, coming home and loudly and emphatically declaring, Mom, God says you're not allowed to look down on me anymore because I'm young, so bah. I was a bit of a punk when I was 14. I don't know if anybody else had that problem. But here's the thing, and again, please hear me on this. The fastest way to convince someone that you are not spiritually or emotionally mature is to insist that you are. I'm serious on that point. Isn't that really what a lot of people in my generation and younger want? They want to be taken seriously. They want to believe and have others believe that their ideas have merit and value and deserve to be heard. That's what a lot of people in my generation and younger want. But when it comes to matters of maturity, actions speak infinitely louder than words. 
And that's why the back half of this passage is so important. We'll read the whole thing. 1 Timothy 4.12, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Please don't waste time demanding that people see you as spiritually and emotionally mature. Demonstrate. Show that you are spiritually and emotionally mature. Contribute to the spiritual health of your family. Suggest things that your family could pray for. Share what you've learned from Scripture recently. Discover ways that your family could serve the community. Help your friends get to know Jesus. And then tell your family about that, that they would be encouraged to go and do the same. Don't pretend to be more than you are. It's okay if you're still learning how to do this. But make the intentional choices that you can to contribute to the spiritual health your family. I hope what you see from what we've talked about today is that scripture calls the family all of its members to make intentional decisions to help everyone in that family follow Jesus. With that, I hope you'll remember that the goal here is not to have the family that everyone envies. It's not to be the comparison family for someone else. That just simply isn't a godly desire. The goal is to be a family that follows Jesus together. This means that our families aren't interested in having everything just look okay. Following Jesus means having joyful and difficult conversations. Following Jesus means accepting that rifts, divisions will happen and doing everything that we can to reconcile them. Because isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? Didn't he recognize that there was a rift? And didn't he do everything that he could to heal it? He did. And most importantly, following Jesus together means recognizing that when things are not ideal in our family, it does not mean we have failed. It means that we have another opportunity to make intentional decisions to help our family follow Jesus better. And in the spirit of making intentional decisions, that's all I have for you today. We're done pretty early, and that's on purpose. When I was praying over this message, I got the sense that the best thing I could do is give each of us a little bit more time to make a call to a family member we haven't talked to in a while, to sit down with somebody we haven't had a good conversation with in a while, to pray together, or even just to brainstorm, Lord, how could my family better follow you together? So I'm going to pray over us, and then I'm going to invite us to go into that, to go and brainstorm how God could have us better follow Jesus in our families. If you join me in prayer. Lord God, families are complicated things. 
even your family wasn't simple, Lord, as you did your ministry here on this earth. Your family was confused. Your family didn't always understand what you were trying to accomplish, God. You are familiar with what it means to have to work out rifts in a family. And God, I praise you that through your Holy Spirit, you speak to each of us. You give each of us wisdom. You've placed each of us in the families that we are in that we might encourage each other and build each other up and convict each other and call each other closer to you. So, Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you speak to each of us? Make it clear to us now, Lord, what we can do. Let us go from this place with creativity brimming in our minds and excitement filling our hearts about what we can do to help our family draw closer to you. And God, please give us patience. Give us patience to try the first thing. And if that doesn't work, to try the second thing. And if that doesn't work, to try the third thing. Because isn't that what you do with us, Lord? You keep pouring out grace. You keep giving us more and more opportunities to come near to you. Would we be patient with ourselves and with our families, Lord? And help us as a community to build each other up as we do this this all up to you in your son's holy name. Amen. I hope that you and your family have a fantastic rest of your day. Go in his love.